Welcome to the Brave Insider Podcast. Introducing your hosts, fighting out of the blue corner from Ireland, Phil Irish Thunder And his opponent, fighting out of the red corner from South Africa, Jason J. Money Van What is happening, everyone? Welcome to this week's episode of the Brave Insider Podcast. I'm joined from across the waters by my favorite redhead, Mr. Full Irish Thunder Campbell. What's happening, Jerry? You all good, buddy? We are, we are kicking on. We are carrying on. I'm sure you're doing the same. I'm sure there's a few uh, interesting things going on, which, uh, which we'll discuss. I think in this one, we'll kind of discuss a bit of news, discuss what's going on, and then also just kind of talk about what we're doing to keep ourselves, uh, keep ourselves busy and occupied. Yeah, it sounds like a plan, buddy. Uh, strange, strange times at the minute that we're all kind of enduring as a, as a global community, but uh, the only thing you can kind of do is keep calm and carry on. That is exactly it. And also, there's, there's been this whole thing about, you know, we still need distractions. We still need to speak about stuff to keep our kind of reality going while all of this is going on. So I like to keep that going well, just so it's not all just focused on the craziness that's happening. Well, that's it, man. You need to maintain some kind of semblance of, of normal life or of day to day. Because if, if you lose that and you focus so much on the doom and gloom, you're going to become enveloped by it and that's going to become the only thing that your attentions are directed towards. So you need to maintain a little bit of uh, normality uh, for your own sanity more than anything. So I think, you know, just, just to kind of confirm with everyone, as everyone knows that the events have kind of been paused for a while. So it's, it's also just to yeah. see what's happening with, you know, globally where everyone is or what's happening. And, and obviously that's not, not the ideal situation, but I think it's, it is definitely warranted and needed. And uh, yeah, I think it's... It's throwing up some interesting things about what is everyone doing to stay active and busy and, you know, which countries are locked down and which countries aren't locked down. So we know that the UK is locked down. So uh, <laughs> that should be interesting for you. But uh, you've told me that you're still working. Yeah. So I think enlighten everyone what the voice of Brave is doing to keep himself busy during the coronavirus lockdown. Okay, well, in, in a former life, some people might know that... Um, I was a doorman at pubs, clubs, those types of things. So in the UK and Ireland, you need to be um, a licensed door person, a licensed door supervisor. So I still have my license. It's still active. I am currently a door supervisor, a doorman at a local supermarket because they have had to draft in licensed door supervisors and doormen because the situation is so hectic there. So I'm essentially a doorman at a supermarket. So let that sink in for a little bit. From traveling the world and calling fights with Brave to saying to people, no, sir, you can't come in at a supermarket. So from calling fights on a global platform in a cage to calling fights in Ireland in a supermarket. Pretty much, man. It's, it's a crazy situation, but uh, it's, it's entirely necessary just for the kind of measures that are being brought in. It, it is surreal when I stop and think I am standing here, suited and Buddha as a doorman at the front of a supermarket. But with the new measures that everybody should be adhering to, the likes of social distancing, the likes of only going out and getting your essential shopping, the, 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 the ceasing all kind of 
unnecessary public gatherings. Um, everybody should be adhering to, to these kind of protocols. And if, if I can help support that in any kind of small way to, to speed up this process and get back to normal life as soon as possible, you know, all joking aside, I'm all in. Yeah, I think that's the one thing everyone needs to realize. Yes, it's not an ideal situation. And yes, we're having to do things that a lot of us don't want to do. But the, the quicker we get to the point where everything is shut down and the number, just the curve can start kind of stabilizing or coming down, yeah. sooner everything can go back to normal life, you know, from, for everything, not just sports or MMA, but just anything. And yes, it, it is inconvenient. And we are bored uh, in our houses, but... It's a minor inconvenience for the greater good. Um, if you think about, if people are still going out, and there are still cases of people going out um, and going and playing football in the park with their friends, meeting up with friends. If you do that, you know, you're a selfish prick is what it comes down to. You should be at the behest of the police. They should be able to enforce fines. Uh, and worst case scenarios, they should be able to uh, enforce jail time. Because if you're not adhering to these protocols, you are the problem. You're the person that's going to lengthen this whole process. So just grit your teeth, wash your hands, stay the fuck inside. <laughs> Good point and well said. And, and I think that, I mean, there are. There's some countries that are talking about extending the, the lockdowns to end of June. So, I mean, you know, 20, yeah. 21 days might seem like a long time, but the end of June sounds a hell of a lot longer if you don't listen. I mean, that that is... Yeah. It, it, it could get out of hand, but, you know, again, just, you know, we've put out messages, brave our running campaigns, you know, to, to kind of raise awareness mm -hmm. for this. And, and again, the main message of the campaign is social distancing. Listen to what, you know, the local authorities are saying. Stay indoors. Don't do things you're not supposed to. You know, the sooner we can all get back to, to normal life and then the way things were before, the better for everyone. And uh, also for, for people like us, the sooner we can get back to having a bit of sports in our lives again. Dude, it's been killing me it's been absolutely killing me like i've uh, i have actually and there have been a couple of fights outside supermarkets and before i interject i have found myself going big fat deer comes in with the right hand he dunks on there oh my god he's put him on his back but that's the kind of life i am i am leading right now um, no football's killing me too both of us were massive football fans massive man united fans and well to be honest it's kind of worked out because if the season is called null and void and Liverpool can't win the league, which was looking inevitable. It's not going to be the worst case scenario, all things considered, Jay. So let me let me give you, I don't know if you heard the news that came out, that the Premier League is actually having a meeting on Friday about potentially bringing the football back in May to finish the season by the end of June. And the reason yeah. they're saying that is if they don't do that, they lose £750 million in TV revenue. If they don't start the season at the beginning of August, they're in for, I think it's around three billion pounds of lost revenue. Now, you know, again, there will always be drivers to make things happen. And that is a lot of money that someone's going to push to make happen. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's crazy. But um, I think league, um, the lower leagues, and obviously there's not as much money involved in the lower leagues in England, the likes of uh, the Championship, League One, League Two. I think it was um, the National Football Conference They've just called the season null and void. Correct. Again, for me, it, it, it's two months because, again, if 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 uh, if Liverpool don't win the title, I can't say I'm going to be completely upset with it. Like, I can't say I'm going to have a few digs at my mates because there's a few of them, believe it or not, that I'm actually friends with still that are Liverpool fans. <laughs> uh, but 
the, the kicker for me is what about the teams that, that were, you know, on the upward, upward or downward cycle, you know, that there's a whole lot of implications yeah. for what happens with football, whether they end the season now, whether they avoid it, whether they try and run it. There's been rumors of, you know, UEFA have said, let's put them all into, into one location and try and run a World Cup style tournament to end the Champions League and the, and the Europa Cup, which is, is also a pretty cool way of doing it. It's just, what is the practicality of that? And then you have to start thinking how that how that is uh, the implications that has and how that impacts upon maybe guys that were battling for relegation, guys in the championship that were battling for promotion, the likes of the likes of Leeds, for example. Um, so again, just uh, there's so many different variables, and I've heard so many different iterations of what people think they could do or what should be done. It's just very difficult to know um, how to do it. But what I have been enjoying is I have enjoyed that, um, I think it was Saturday, Brave Combat Federation streamed live on Facebook a replay of Brave 29, which is one of the most historic events in the history of Brave. And I would like to see that either on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, a replay of a Brave event. I think that would be a lot of fun. So what we are doing as well is every day, if you go on to uh, Brave's Facebook, I think we are launching two fights a day. Just, you know, fights. We, we kind of... we. We tried to shortlist the best 60 fights that we've seen at Brave, and we're kind of dropping two of them a day uh, onto social yeah. media. So keep keep eye out for that one. At least that keeps a bit of you know a bit of MMA going and a bit of fights going. I've I've been desperate to the point where I, I kind of switched on the National Geographic channel and I was commentating uh, fights in the Animal Kingdom just to keep <laughs> myself busy because uh, I'm I'm not big on fight games. So I'm I'm. I'm practicing my FIFA game, which brings up uh, some interesting news that, that got released this week as well. Uh, that is one of the... Just, I have to give you credit there, Jay. That is one of the cleanest segues I think I've ever heard in my broadcasting career. And I wasn't going to let it go without shining the light on it. I wasn't going to let you go with it being so seamless. But that was outstanding. I've ruined it now by drawing attention to it. Continue. Thank you, sir. So... I have been upping the FIFA game, considering there's no sports going on. And uh, why, just, why, have, why have you possibly been doing that, Jay? Well, before I even knew why I was doing it, there was an announcement that came out and a bit of a meeting that's been happening where KHK has now launched eSports, its own eSports federation. Um, mm -hmm. And there is a tournament happening pretty soon in Bahrain with, uh, and FIFA 20 being one of them. So... I have registered. Whether I actually get drawn to, to play in the tournament or not, we don't know yet. I, I, I don't know how the draw is going to work, but my name is in the hat. That's pretty cool. Uh, there is another That's name cool. in the hat as well, being a Brave Combat Federation president, the Hawk Mohammed Shaheed, who's also a pretty big uh, FIFA fan as well. Ooh, so interesting. You never know if I could get drawn up against the president. I don't know if I'd have to throw the game, but uh, but I don't think I'd be able to do that. <laughs> you, you couldn't. Uh, you couldn't really gloat if you beat the if you beat the president, could you? See, then you don't know me very well, because damn straight I would. <laughs> <laughs> so, how's, how's realistic? What's the the logistics of that? Because obviously, esports are massive and we see them building on, on a platform with yearly tournaments like the likes of the Fortnite tournament was worth I think over a million dollars so they they are big business with the likes of gaming streamers and such and I think most professional sports teams the likes of Paris Saint-Germain, Chelsea, Manchester United they do have professional gamer teams so how is that going to work with regards to a draw guys playing just playing from home there's not obviously at the current climate there's not going to be you know um 
tournaments in person? So are people able to log in remotely and play? And how, do, how is that going to work? Yeah, so basically what will happen is, is obviously keeping keeping with our, our theme of social distancing and trying to keep people entertained yeah. while they're at home is the tournament will happen exactly like that. So there'll be a draw. You'll get drawn into the tournament. You'll get drawn against an opponent. You'll be given a time of the day that you need to log in and your opponent and you guys will play against each other. And that's how the tournament will run. So it is not just FIFA, even though I don't particularly, you know, I'm not too interested in other games that are being played. <laughs> FIFA is the only one that matters to me. So, uh, you know, there are, there are two tournaments running. There's a FIFA tournament and, and, and another one. The, the prize money on this one, I think $34,000 is, is the prize pool on it um, wow. as a first go. At the moment, it's only open to players from Bahrain. But obviously, over time, we're looking to extend that out. Um, mm-hmm. So we will obviously release more details as it goes. There's a few releases coming out. You know, again, you know, stay on top of, of KHK's pages. You know, inside the podcast pages, we'll also kind of put them out there as they go. But again, it's it's kind of just the launch pad for KHK Esports as a platform. And this is just the first tournament we're running. And obviously, based on where we are at the moment, it is all going to be remote. It is all just going to be in, you know in good fun. Um, and we'll see how it works in, in terms of building that esports platform in, into something bigger. As you said, esports is now you know a very big platform. It is, I think, at the moment being either discussed or it's already been given uh, some status with the Olympics as well. So it's going to become an Olympic sport in terms of esports, which is a bit confusing to me. But I mean, you know, can't, can't hate it if it's going to be out there. And let's see where you know, it goes. I, I I always think of when maybe you were like. I don't know, maybe between the ages of maybe 10 and 18. And everybody gamed at that stage. For me, it was the likes of the Sega Mega Drive, the N64. And your mom used to slap you in the back of the head and say, you need to go outside. You're not going to accomplish anything by playing video games. Now people are making careers out of this. Now people are earning really good professional salaries by gaming. So it just just shows you the, the, the evolution um, of gaming where now it's not a pastime but a profession and now the probably highest paid athletes will be those that can stay at home and play PlayStation oh living the dream fair <laughs> play to the lads well played sir well played so that's just you know some of the news and some of the goings on obviously you know the, the world is kind of looking at when they can start bringing bringing sporting activity back as well you know there's like I said football is looking at it um, MMA and, and, and combat sports obviously looking at it. I think closed doors is kind of where it's going to land up being first. You know, where, which events can you have behind closed doors? Where, yeah, which countries think, can you have it in? Which athletes yeah. can you bring in? Are they going to have to be local athletes or can you start flying some in and out of certain countries? So it's, it's going to be an interesting time, I think. Um, you know, and also it's, it's the wing. You know, again, football's talking about May. Uh, some people are talking about April, others talking about June. But I think the big thing is just keeping an eye on, on what's happening with, with the growth and, and where this, this curve is actually going to stop and start slowing down. And as, as a sports community and as a sports society, I think one thing we just have to accept is it won't go back to the way it was straight away. But that's, no. that's just not going to happen. It, it will be incremental steps. And as you say, with the likes of closed-door events, then maybe tiny, tiny venues and it will be, I'm going to, I, I couldn't even give a time scale. I would just be theorizing, but it will be slow progress, but it will be progress. 
Yeah, yeah. I, th I think again, and it's also, you know, unfortunately, it's one of these things of who's who's going to do it first. You know, who's going to be the one to take the jump first, so everyone else can see and, and you know see how it works, see what it looks like, and, and make sure that the risk isn't yeah. too big. Um, and I, I think obviously just because of the, the sheer volume of the money that's around it, I think fo football are going to be pushing hard, you know, to try and get get yeah, theirs up and running. Um, but again, you know, it, it is a risk. You know, it's, it's got to be done carefully. It's got to be planned properly. You know, especially if if guys are traveling. If guys are local, it makes it a little bit easier. But if you are running anything yeah. where international guys are, are competing, it's can you fly them into the country? What are the quarantine periods? There's certain countries that are flagged as red countries, other aren't. So there's a whole lot of implications that we're going to have to look at to actually get around this. But you know, it, hopefully for everyone, firstly on a global level, is is we can just start the curb of of the spread of the virus. Um, maybe they can find some better ways to treat it, you know, so that that can get done as well. And then everything can start going back to normal. You know, I, th I think uh, the one thing that people aren't really talking about is is the mental health of all the people. You know, everyone's talking about the physical health and coronavirus and all these things, but the mental health of people of not being able to go outside, not being able to leave their homes not having escapisms like sport and all these kind of things just to get their mind off stuff is is something that yeah. i think is also going to be impacted i I've, I've often thought there should be there should be tutorials for the older generation on how to use things like video calls how to use things like the technology we're using right now because isolation for people of our generation jay isn't the same as isolation for people of an older generation we're, we're talking right now online, we're, like we're engaged in a video call, I get to see you, I get to chat with you, I get to catch up with you. But for people who perhaps are you know, of a generation where this kind of technology isn't second nature to them, that's genuine isolation. They're literally just sitting and staring at four walls right now. So I think education for older people on how to use this kind of technology is essential. That's a well, I think that's uh, all the news and kind of discussions we're going to do for this week. Hopefully next next week we'll have a bit more kind of info and a bit more, you know, have a guideline of where we're going to go and how everything's looking. Bit more joy, bit more joy to spread. Yeah, I think I think for this one it was trying to get all the serious stuff out the way, you know, just just kind of letting people know what's out yeah. there, what's happening, where we are, you know, where everything is in in, in terms of what we're all doing. Um, I do think we need some more anecdote stories about uh, what happens with you at work in the next couple of weeks because I didn't know I would see the day where, where I mean, bouncers, as we call them in South Africa, or, you know, chuck 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 asses, as they also know it, would need to be licensed and standing at supermarkets. But uh, I'm sure there's some interesting things happening there when people are fighting over. Probably toilet paper seems to be uh, the common one. I'm not quite sure on the whole toilet paper thing. Someone needs to explain it to me because it's the one thing I'm just, I still don't understand. I think we would have enough scope for me to do my idiot of the week. So I, I think, think that could be I think that is a great in. idea. So in, in Bahrain, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're on, we're on, we can call it lockdown. It's, it's more of kind of, you know, non non-customer facing businesses and essential businesses are still open um yeah you know the part that would suck for you and sucks for me is that the pubs are obviously closed uh dude just just <laughs> when you mention that in right in the in in ireland okay so the the off sales you know like the bottle shop it was um it was closed all bottle shops and off licenses were closed because they were deemed non-essential do you want to know how long that lasted Three hours, <laughs> three hours. 
<laughs> and then so the government had to be like, nah, nah, people, this isn't cool. Like, there's, there's going to be rioting in the streets. The, the Irish people need their beer. So uh, the, the off-license has opened up again. So at least I can still go and get um, a pack of beer and come home and watch old pipes. So in South Africa, they are actually still closed for the 21-day lockdown. Uh, no and way. what happened there is the day they announced that it was happening, there were literally queues around blocks. I mean, I, I had friends of mine saying, hey, we got back from the shop, you know, we got all the essentials and they had like five packets of food and toilet paper and, and literally like, you know, pickup truck loads full of alcohol. <laughs> because again, like, I, you know, I mean, I, we, we've already, we, you know, when I was in South Africa, we used to have Friday drinks. We used to go on a Friday and we'd meet up at, at a local pub we're now doing yeah. friday drinks on zoom calls so it's like you know 10 15 people jumping onto zoom calls doing friday drinks because again it's you know that's that's what's normal to us that's how you just keep a little bit of the of, of the normalcy around yourself that's it man that's 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 all that's all you can do that's all you can do blood. but um as we say it's strange times but this is going to be the status quo for a little bit and we all just need to band together and do our best that's it well, there you have it, guys. That's uh, the, the news and the info from uh, myself and Phil for this week of the Brave Insider Podcast. We do have a couple of segments coming up in this episode. Stay tuned. Are you ready? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Brave Insider Podcast with myself, Phil Campbell, and my co-host, the lovely South African, Jason and we're very lucky this time to be joined by, from my money, pound for pound, one of the best commentators in all of global mixed martial arts, the one and only Mr. Noel O'Keefe. Noel, how are you, sir? I'm very well, and um, that'll do me. I'm going to record that introduction and use that as like a messenger. Every time I get a message on my phone, that'll just come up. And uh, that's quite the compliment. Thank you. Oh, richly deserved, richly deserved. And, uh, and uh, I, true as well. First off, how have you been coping? with uh, social isolation, my man, because Ireland's pretty much in lockdown at the minute. So what have you been doing to get your time in? Um, well, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, you'll see that I'm doing a silly thing, just saying no shows, no problem. And essentially what I'm doing with this is I'm, um, I'm grabbing um, footage of street fights, um, siblings fighting each other, and I'm putting commentary to them. Um, boredom brings out fundum. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, in relation to isolation, um, I had a pretty tough. I actually am one of the hundreds of thousands around the world who actually um, contracted coronavirus. So um, I had uh, COVID-19 for two weeks. So I was isolated away from all my family members. Um, so that was pretty tough. But um, I had to be done. I've no idea how I contracted uh, the virus. But I got it. Uh, lucky enough, I'm young enough and fit enough that uh, I managed to get over it. And can you can you tell us what that what that whole situation was like? Obviously, it's different having someone who's actually been through it as opposed to just talking about it. So, what the testing process, what the treatments were like, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I just came down with a bit of a head cold. That's what it felt like for us. It just felt like a general head cold, a bit of a sore throat, a bit of a headache. Um, and it progressed. So I, I first got the symptoms on a Wednesday, um, which I think was like the 11th of uh, March. Um, and then on Thursday, I woke up just completely different. Um, my eyes were so sore, I couldn't focus. I was due to work um, from home. 
and I couldn't focus on the screen. My eyes were so sore. So I, I actually rang work and thought, you know, I'm not feeling well. I didn't think much of it. I just thought I'm not feeling well. Um, I'd done a couple of shows over that weekend, so I'd done two big fight shows. So I just thought the body was a little run down, a little drained from all the adrenaline of uh, ring announcing. But um, as the days progressed, the symptoms progressively got worse. Um, so obviously over here, Paddy's Day, 17th of March, quite a big day. Um, it's my son's birthday as well. But um, I got a text message to advise me that I had to get to a test center within the next hour and a half. So I was given an hour and a half now so to go and get tested for coronavirus. Um, so when you go there, like the test is pretty easy. Um, I've seen people give out about it, but come on, people, come on. Hop on, it's a swab. So the swab is about the length of a pen. Um, and essentially when you go in, you have to wash your hands with um, antibacterial soap or whatever it may be, or, or alcohol, alcohol sanitizer. So you sanitize your hands, you have a face mask on, they get a swab, they go right to the back of your throat, and they twirl at the back of your throat, take the same swab, and this is the uncomfortable bit, I think, for a lot of people. The swab goes up to the back of the nose, and they give it a twirl, um, and that's essentially it. So they, they ask you then, where you've been, have you been abroad? I hadn't been abroad um, in the recent weeks. So uh, you go off and you don't know the result. Um, I got contacted two days later um, to advise me that I had tested positive for coronavirus. Um, and it was sort of the night before, it was a Wednesday night and I was lying in bed and I got very short of breath. Um, and every intake of breath I took felt quite hot, felt like I was breathing fire. And for me, that was almost the first moment before I was told I was positive the night before was the first moment where I thought this illness is something different. I've not had anything like this. And as it turned out, yes, I had coronavirus. So the test itself, it's uncomfortable for all of 20 seconds. Um, and that's it. Well, I have to say the, um, the nursing staff here that uh, looked after me were very gracious. Uh, simple chat. What do you do? What do you work as? I start telling them I'm a commentator for Brave Combat Federation. And the conversation went away from coronavirus. Into, so you travel the world down this, do you? And we started talking quite. <laughs> so uh, it was quite interesting. But um, yeah, the testing was uncomfortable, but necessity. And then the hardest part for me was separation from my family. I have a, a little two-year-old girl, a 15-year-old son, and, and a wife who's currently 20 weeks pregnant. Um, so to be separated from everybody was the hardest part of it. Um, I'm eventually over the illness. Um, so on Friday the 27th, I was given um, instruction by my GP that I can come out of self-isolation. So everything is good. You're feeling, you're feeling better, no issues. Yeah, I was feeling like I was reading. I'm not comparing myself to an Olympic athlete, but I was reading. Um, <laughs> I'm not comparing myself to yeah. an Olympic athlete, but I'm about what? to compare myself to an Olympic athlete. Okay. Yeah, so, so this, this swimmer, I'm not too sure where he's from, but he's an Olympic swimmer, said that he had the coronavirus as well, but it took him, it drained his whole body of any fitness that he had leading up to that. Yeah. So I've been going quite hard for me, a man who's almost 40. I've been hitting the gym quite a lot over the last year. Um, and I know it's like my fitness is, it took me a while to get back. I went out for a run last night. Here in Ireland, we're only allowed to go 2K away from our house. Um, so basically running laps of a park. Um, and the equivalent of what I've done, um, the equivalent of what I've done has uh, really hit me 
hard as in I'd done a short run, I'd say it was about three kilometers, and I felt like I ran 20K. Um, so the fitness level is completely drained. So it'd be a matter of building that up. But again, it, as Phil said to me when I was talking to him last night, it's all baby steps to get back to full health. But I'm just glad and gracious that I am back to full health because unfortunately, um, there's a lot of people who um, are losing their lives to this um, and not coming back to full health. So I'm just grateful that I was looked after and I have a loving, supporting family around me that could aid me to get there. Well, it's good news. At least everything's back to back to normal, and you're you're feeling better. So uh, we hope to see you at some point this year back in the in the commentary booth again. At least that that's great news for us. I can't wait. It's been too long, isn't it? And I, I have been avidly watching your uh, your you know f- few posts you've been putting out a day, doing a com- commentating just street fights and general things, which has been great fun to watch. Uh, and you know, keep, keep, keep doing those just to keep us entertained. As I told Phil earlier, I was switching on National Geographic channel and commentating uh, animal fights <laughs> just to keep myself <laughs> occupied. And there's, you know what, I, 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 it's something I never thought I'd love, but seeing marbles rolling down a hill in sand, that's a new formula oh, for me. Hundred percent. Taking the world by storm. Marble racing, taking the world mm-hmm. by storm. No, one thing I wanted to, to touch on with you is, yes, we're, we are in, you know, um, an era of postponement with regards to mixed martial arts, but of the fights that were scheduled before all of this kind of kicked off in Brave Combat Federation, what are you looking for? What are you looking forward to see? And what are you looking forward to that when it's all said and done, when this pandemic has settled and we're able to get back into, uh, back into putting on fights, watching fights, commentating on fights, what's sticking out in your head as the fight that, that's keeping you going that you can't wait to call? Well, the one that, for us, I think, and I think we can all speak for it, we were all eagerly awaiting for uh, Asawaiya taking on shit. Yeah, that was going to be, like, that was going to be an absolute barn burner for us as Brave. I think everybody and their brother was excited about that one. The flyweight tournament in itself, like, we we are obviously meant to have Jose Shori Torres um, compete in Bahrain when we were there at Brave Combat Federation 29. That fight fell through, and, you know, Brave thought, what will we do? You know, we need to have our first flyweight champion here. Let's have a tournament. So, again, you know, the, we, we called the KHK tournament that night. It was fantastic open open tournament format. So, the uh-huh. idea of a round-ribbon tournament for the flyweight belt is absolutely brilliant because I firmly believe right now that Brave Combat Federation has the most stacked flyweight division in the world of mixed martial arts. So, there's so many great fights in that round-ribbon that um, – looking forward to seeing and there's yeah. a few that haven't been announced the, yet there's a there's a couple there's a couple that are still going to get announced after the first the first round goes that's the the one side of the bracket was supposed to happen in in, in brazil but that that yeah. tournament is going to be absolutely stacked and you've got guys like zach Makovsky who's just uh made his way into brave combat federation you have guys like Matty Zaharovs, who we, we've been champion as, as Irish MMA guys, myself and Noah have been really championing yeah. uh, Matisse because he's 2 and 0 as a pro, but I think he's a four time amateur national champion. Um, he's training at SBG Port Arlington under coach Philip Malpeter, and he has the potential to be a real dark horse, a real ruiner if you put him in there. He's the potential to really ruin the party and upset the, 
the apple cart, so to speak. I, I agree, and I, I think I think as well after his, his debut with defeat, Amir Albazi lost to Jose Shorty Torres in his debut with Brave Combat Federation. Yeah. But in that, he showed he belongs at that world-class level. You look at him since, he looked fantastic last time out against Ryan Curtis. And yes, I, for sorry. me, Albazi is, is, is one of the fighters, again, that you know I'd, I think he'd like to get that rematch back with Shorty Torres. And if the round ribbon works out the way it could be, we, that could be a rematch for the title in the final. And again, as I said, I, I have no doubt that um, the flyweight division right now in Brave is absolutely stacked. And then you still have Marcelo I mean, and Billy like Murat. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, Marcelo Do was supposed to fight for the title as well. So it's, mm. it is. I mean, I think the only fair way to do that is around Robin tournament because they, if you can't even call anyone a number one contender, it would probably be four number one contenders as as a starting point. But the, I think the, the the thing like this, and it's like every sport in the world at the moment, you look at football, like um, soccer around the world, you have teams that were very close to winning their, their domestic leagues and stuff. And it's like MMA. Momentum now is something that all of a sudden you're on a good run, you're on a good train. Like it's, for example, off the top of my head, Sam Patterson just beat King Cowley in a dominant performance. Yeah. Looked absolutely fantastic. Momentum was like a wave behind Sam Patterson and now, boom, stopped because of this um, worldwide situation that we have. So it's going to be when you look at Instagram, I'm, I'm loving watching the fighters doing what they're doing. Like Jose Shari Torres keeps posting stuff online about techniques he's doing. Sam Patterson said last night he went for a bicycle ride, got in and done 8.5 miles and his dad would, should have done 20. So we went back on the bike and, and went out just to complete the, the 20 just to satisfy his dad. But it's great to see the fighters are staying alert as they can and doing what they can at home but it's going to be intriguing and that's one aspect for me that whenever the next Brave is whenever we're sat K-side about to call Brave Combat Federation I can tell you that every fighter on the roster is going to want to be clamming to be on that card we could have a 60 fight card easily at the next Brave Combat Federation but it's going to be interesting to see how each fighter because essentially it's going to be like ring rust so it's not ring rust through injury it's not ring rust through not wanting to fight so it's going to be interesting that's a mental warfare right there for each and every fighter on the roster to step back into that cage and Carlos Kramer is going to Carlos Kramer I'd say is sitting at home right now his missus is putting the kettle on and he is introducing her in putting on that kettle he's like yeah, I have one question and one question only can I have one or two sugars please and I'd say Carlos Kramer <laughs> is going to roar Every every fighter into the cage, and it's going to be interesting to see how each and every fighter deals with this layoff. Yeah, and also is, that's is a web what? series I want to see. That's that's a web series I want to see. Carlos Kramer <laughs> announcing day to day mundane tasks. I reckon he needs to get on that. So I go ahead. I think it's I think that's a great idea, and and I think the, the big issue as well is with the different phases of lockdowns everywhere, and you know diff, different things happening is what are fighters able to do to stay in shape? You know, there's some fighters that live with other fighters, so they're still able to train and maybe do some light sparring and break, you know, break some furniture in their apartment where other guys who have families and kids, you know, they can't do that. So what are they doing to stay fit? Is it just bicycles? Is it, you know, a bag that they've got in a home gym? Some guys will be allowed out to do 20K runs. Other countries, you're not even allowed out of your house. So it's not yeah. just ring rust, it's actual training rust that they're going to be fighting as well. 
Uh, funny, I, I think in some ways, out of this, it's the young and up-and-coming fighters who may struggle. If you're a veteran of the game, you have, you know, your, your training camp, yes, it involves sparring, obviously, it involves, you know, at-speed fighting um, to try and get you to fight fitness levels and stuff like that, but if you're a veteran, you've done hundreds, if not thousands of rounds of sparring and preparations for old fights, so in some ways, it's like riding a bike, it's muscle memory, and that will come to the veteran, while it's the young guys who are stepping up to the world stage and brave that may I'm not saying they will I'm saying they may struggle in order to get reputation in and sparring etc leading up to uh, the first event but also the younger guys fitness levels might bounce back a lot faster than some of the older fighters so it's going to be that youth versus experience which one's going to win in terms of fitness ring rust and and like you say the repetition of rounds and and experience in that way yeah. So further on, further on from your, your point, Noah, I think it's 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 a case of development versus refinement. Because with the older fighters, uh, fight camp is all about refining the skills that they have. With a young yeah. fighter, it's all about you know a, a young fighter can make almost day to day progressions if they're not in the gym and they're not able to continue yeah. to make those developments. It has the potential. I'm not saying all fighters, but it also has the the potential to, to stunt their development if they can't get the reps in that they need. That's something that we regularly say on, on the broadcast, Phil, is that like, you take um, any young fighter, you know, we've seen a lot of fighters evolve through Brave from yeah. their debut until the three or four fights, and they look like completely different fighters from, like, three fights ago. They're a different human being, they're a different fighter, their build is different, their technique, their style, their skill set is vastly different. So as you said, this sort of puts a stopgap in that, you know, so we mightn't see the improvements or the evolution and involvement of their skill sets, but we may see them, as Jason, you correctly said, their fitness levels might be the one to bounce back quicker. So uh, interesting times ahead, no doubt. And the, the other thing which, which you know, I'm busy looking at at the moment and we, we're discussing here is I, I don't think it's going to be a case where there's going to be a three or four month notice before the first event gets kicked off. I think the notice, the notice period for these events are, are going to be a lot shorter. So, mm-hmm. you know, is someone going to be at the level we're expecting them at if they don't have an eight-week camp because we're announcing an event on three weeks' notice because a country's just opened up or, you know, a fight's opened up because someone isn't allowed to fly, isn't allowed to travel. So the short-notice fighter, guys that are used to that and guys that are always ready to fight anyone, anytime, anywhere might be a lot better positioned than guys that go through that. It has to be an eight-week camp. They go through a specific progression. You know, they do a specific build-up into fights. I think what you could see is you could see guys for a little while, for an interim period, you could see a stall on title fights, but you could see the majority of guys jumping up a weight division. I think that could happen across the board while guys kind of reattune themselves to that process, to that weight cutting process. I think you could see everybody jumping up a, a division as not to put their body under so much pressure so quickly. Because as you say, these, uh, these events are going to come thick and fast uh, when, which is inevitable, when when we do get back to, uh, to a full charter of fights. And I think also you're going you're gonna to see the kind of the re-emergence of fighters that are just general fighters. Like, I mean, you know, and I'm going to use the name, Mo Fakradin's come out and said, I'll fight tomorrow. Like, yeah, give yeah. me a fighter. Give me, <laughs> give, me, give me Gaucho. Give me a title fight. Give me whoever I'll fight him now. And that's because that's who he is. It's not what he does. I think that's the difference. I love is that guy. You've got fighters who guy. are fighters, and you'll phone them today and go, hey, it might not be a weight division. It might be, you know, no training camp, but you want to fight tomorrow. He's going to go, hell yes. Like, I'll fight outside my front door. Like, I don't particularly care. Well, did even one of the even when the KHK announced a partnership with the WBC, 
on Instagram. And I looked at that. The first comment I seen was Mo Fakradine, give me a fight. That guy is a born fighter. I'm pretty sure that he probably, even when he's sitting in the house by himself, fights with himself. That's just how much that man loves a tear-up. I uh, can't say I'm enough good things about that guy's fighting mentality. Well, you can always go on, uh, on social media and see the videos of his son punching him in the face for fun. Yeah, to, to your point about fighters coming up, I was actually going to—I was waiting for a break to say it. No, fact is is the perfect example. This is a guy who normally fights at middleweight, and he fought in the Open Grand Prix there, and you know was had a pretty good success. You know what I mean? He finished guys and stood with guys who fight in the heavyweight division. So like, that's a perfect example. So I think that could be the solution. You know, you might see guys stepping back in there that normally fight at Bantam, he'll go and fight at Federer, and and so on, so up. Um, and look, that's going to lead to great fights too. Um, yeah, yeah, it's such an interesting time. And if if guys if guys are comfortable going up, you know, if they're if they're forced to do go up due to the short notice frequency of fights, I think you can maybe see a change in the. I may just be being a little bit of an idealist here, but I think you could potentially see a change in the uh, entire approach, uh, the entire thinking behind weight cutting. Yeah. Or, or just same as you're going to see the re-emergence of fighters that are fighters, but you'll also see guys that don't really cut weight. And Stevie Gonzalez is one. He basically walks around at the weight that he fights at. So guys that the don't generally assassin. do cuts, you know, for them it's also going to be easy because on a week's notice where we go, hey, we've got an event, they go, well, I'm on weight, I'm ready to go now. Whereas a lot of other guys who do big, big cuts, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for them to bring down the weight. I mean, I've gained weight sitting at home, so I'm sure anyone that's just sitting at home is is kind of eating and, and loving laughing from that, that that perspective. It's not just cutting cutting down to your fight weight, it's getting back down to your training weight, which could be a problem for some fighters. And again, you, you look at Brave Combat uh, Federation, we obviously created history, um, crowning the first 65 champion. So again, you might see um, the introduction, and this goes for all promotions, you might see the introduction, finally, of some promotions that are willing to introduce that middle ground division to allow the likes of lightweight to, uh, to, to fight at 65 to, to fill cards. But I genuinely don't believe that there is going to be any issue filling any card. Um, I think Yusuf is going to have a pretty easy um, inbox in his uh, in his emails for fighters willing to fight on the next Brave Show. Well, I, I can tell you that we will still do 12 events this year. We have confirmed that before. So, you know, those, those <laughs> that thought that we were, it was crazy to do, what was it, six fights in eight weeks or whatever it was last year, we might actually end up having to do the same thing this year. So, so we'll see um, how that goes. I'll, I'll tell... I'll uh, I'll tell uh, my missus that uh, she may get used to not seeing me over uh, over the next couple no, of months. Then when we get I, back on to it, I have a great idea, Phil. We do Dublin, we do Dublin, Belfast, Belfast, Glasgow, London, Cardiff. There's like all half an hour plane rides away, five shows, easy. <laughs> perfect, perfect. We're gonna we're gonna tag uh, Brave President Mohammed Shahid in this and say, well, that's uh, that's the plan. So. Thank you, uh, President Shahid. Good man. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for doing uh, doing a couple in Bahrain because it makes it a lot easier for me. But let's see, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's see what we get right by the time it happens. Do you know? Do you know what? I, I know you. I know you say that you know somewhat tongue in cheek, but there's there may be a lot to be said for during the the current climate when things do start to alleviate, having the likes of Bahrain as a hub for the next couple of shows until we get settled. That's another yeah. possibility, you know, the likes, of, uh, the likes of the likes with WWE, WWE, for example, and I'm not drawing parallels between the the, the, two, the two sports, but uh, 
there are the likes of WWE NXT show, which has its own pub uh, and do yeah. shows from the likes of a performance center. So there's nothing to say that that might not be um, a decent starting point to have somewhere as a hub. For well, I can tell you it is, it is definitely in discussion for us to maybe, you know, start the events in Bahrain because, again, we, you know, it is something that we have a bit more control over. You know, there's, there's very good, me- you know, medical care that we can do here. We can, we, we got a lot of us, we get a lot of assistance from, you know, local government here. So in terms of guys arriving at airports and us being able to screen them, you know, if God forbid something happened where we had to quarantine and we got very good relationships with all the hospitals, the hotels. So, so all of that, it does make it a lot easier for us in Bahrain. Um, so there has definitely been discussions about if we needed to do, you know, a couple of catch-up events in the beginning of, of the lockdowns ending behind closed doors, that Bahrain would be, uh, you know, a place where we would do. Um, and also, I mean, you know, we could easily do two or three events in two or three weeks in Bahrain. You know, again, that, that's also an option. Yeah. So, you know, we might just you fly do, you over you, here for three weeks, lock you in a hotel, and we just commentate a fight every couple of days and send you home. <laughs> Realist- I would love that. Realistically, you could do a show Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Correct. Realistically. Well, I mean, we've done oh, it with Carl- the World Championships. You know, we, we've done all of yeah. that. So all of these things are, are, you know, I'm the one who generally throws the craziest ideas out when, when we have these discussions. Phil, just... Just a point to you, broadcast partner. That'd be fun for research, wouldn't it? Three big shows in three days. <laughs> oh man, could you? And the people—that's that's one of the unseen aspects of of, of uh, broadcasting. People don't see is the research that um, the likes of myself and yourself do. Ooh, three fights in three days, Jabers. You would just have to end up winging it. Yeah. And we'll just a lot of fighters you. We'll see if we can also just give you like you know four days notice on it as well, just to make it real fun. Yeah, test us. <laughs> what about Carlos Kramer? If he had to do three yeah. shows in three days, a lot of lemon yeah. and honey. A lot of lemon and honey water, man. A lot of lemon and honey water. Look, if anyone can do it, it's going to be the roaring lion, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think I think uh, the roaring lion is is probably uh, chomping at the bit more than anyone to start shouting again. I think uh, I think he must be going crazy. So we'll can definitely you, be getting imagine, him on a call. Can you imagine his his suit collection now? He's just sitting at home bored, ordering suits constantly, I'd say. <laughs> and uh, suits. I can't, I can't wait until the time where we can let the lion out of his cage. Oh. Yeah, that yeah. Yeah. All right, see you later, lads. That's the point of Well, guys, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely, uh, you know, we are going to be bringing the podcast up every week now just to get a bit of, a bit of conversations going and, and kind of letting everyone know yeah, what's going fun. on. And uh, Noel, if you didn't know, we did launch the esports as well. We discussed it earlier. So I have registered to play a bit of FIFA for KSK you know Gaming. I'm a year behind in FIFA. So I'm currently only on FIFA 2019. Um, I put that solely down to my children taking up all my time. But um, I could invest and I'll happily whoop you online. That's no problem. Um, Sounds like a great idea. I, I get to be Manchester United. You're not getting Manchester United. They're my boys. Yeah, that's gonna be it. Um, I'm, I'm, Ajax is. I do. I am an Ajax fan as well. So we can always do a United versus Ajax, do a Europa League final replay. Mm. And uh, just so you know, uh, the brave president has also enrolled himself for uh, FIFA at the eSports event. So you never know. We might all get to play against uh, the president himself. Well, you sort of got to let him win then, haven't we? You know, it's not. Yeah, I've already told Phil that's not going to happen, and I'll gloat. Yeah. So I, three, I, I, I three, might, uh, three, nil, 
three nil up half time, all of a sudden just turn the controller off, put it down, and hope he scores four goals. Eh? Yeah, no, I, I, that, that won't be me. I might, I might be in a lot of trouble on that Monday morning because I'll be the one that walks mm-hmm. in and shouts three nil while I'm running around in the office. I'm a terrible football fan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, thanks, That's guys. Thanks for off. joining us. Uh, I'm sure we'll get uh, Mr. Noel O'Keefe back on again over the next coming weeks. But Noel, just give uh, everyone where they can find you on social media and grab those uh, nice, lots of fun commentary skits that you're putting out there as well. Yeah, so uh, I never, ever remember my login. So on Facebook, I'm just Noel O'Keefe. You'll find me. Um, on Instagram, I am, see Phil, you might know this more than me. I'm Noel O'K underscore commentary. Um, and I'm NOK1980 on Twitter, but more so it's going out on Instagram. So Noel OK underscore commentary. That's where you'll find me. And uh, we will have one dropping today with Noel and Phil um, calling some fights. So, uh, yeah, make sure to check it out. But, uh, lads, an absolute pleasure to uh, meet up and have a chat to you. And uh, thanks for having me on the pod. Doing great work. Thank you. Stay safe. Send uh, love and regards to the family. And we'll catch up again soon. Go, send it all you guys, all right? Thanks a million. Thanks, man. Thanks. Are you ready? What's up, guys? Welcome to the Brave Insider Podcast. Interviewing definitely the man I consider to be the best in the business in in cage announcing. And I'm not just saying that because I work with him, but I genuinely, genuinely believe that the roaring lion himself, Carlos Kramer. Hey, how are you, Brave Nation? How are you, Jay? It's a uh, it's an honor to be on your show, and uh, thank you for the uh, amazing compliment. I appreciate that, bro. It's all for any passion I show, any energy. It's all for the fighters. So I'm just happy that they are getting their due. That's the main thing. And I've always said, from there, right, everything falls into place. So let, let's start off, obviously, you know, just uh, the, the whole situation that everyone is finding themselves in at the moment. How is uh, lockdown at the Losas going over in, over in the U.S.? Uh, everything is going great here. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're just so concerned with the rest of the world on the COVID-19 virus that's going around. San Diego, California is in a complete lockdown right now. Um, I'm in insurance by day. So my uh, business is, is an essential business. So we've kept working um, uh, remotely at the office the whole bit. But, you know, people are in a panic uh, down here as well as the rest of the world. And we just, you know, I need to remind everybody, we just stay calm, you know, stay, practice, uh, you know, uh, self-distancing. And we're going to all pull through this together. This is something we've never seen, but... Um, you know, for me, I'm at home. I travel so much. Jay Money, as you know, um, that for me, being trapped with my supermodel hot wife and beautiful kids um, has been an incredible blessing at the same time. So uh, I feel like a blessed man and uh, just, you know, my prayers out to the world. Yeah, and I, th- I think, you know, there's so much focus on, on the negative side of everything that's happening. But for me, the one positive is how much time people are getting to spend with their families and, 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 you know, those that they don't generally get to see in the, in the day-to-day rush of, of our lifestyles. 
it, it means everything. I mean, we're, we're able to get to things now that, you know, we haven't been able to get because literally I'm on the road every week or every other week. You know, uh, it's crazy. The, the, the blessings of this life and the incredible life that we have being involved in the sport we love with mixed martial arts is an amazing opportunity, an amazing blessing. Uh, but what, what one thing people don't realize is that it's an incredible struggle, too, on the back end where people don't see what families are going through. And, you know, my props and my heart and my, de uh, my devotion and, and thanks goes out to my wife, Tekka, because without her, I wouldn't be able to do this. And her hands are filled more than, you know, I can even imagine when I'm gone. We have a three-year-old daughter that's blind. And now we just found out severely autistic, um, along with a nine-year-old boy who's just, you know, uh, like could put Bill Romanowski um, <laughs> to shame when he was on the Raiders <laughs> about how much testosterone is going to sky. So it's, it's a, a mix she's taking care of. And I'm so grateful because that's what things, something people need to know out there is that behind every great you know, winning man that's doing it out there and, and accomplishing what he's doing. There's always an amazing woman that's allowing it and making it happen. So uh, my dedication is, you know, out to her and all the rest, you know, like your amazing wife. Um, it, it, all, all, of, all of the people that are supporting us along the way, they do need their definite shout out. Yeah, I think, you know, we always say with the fighters that it, it takes a team to get a fighter to the cage, but it also for the team that works behind the scenes, we have our own team that helps us to get to the cage. So it's definitely a, a big shout out to all of them that make all of it happen for us as well. And you know what people don't realize? The difference between an incredible fighter and an average fighter, sometimes uh, it comes down to their home life. And I've seen cases as you have where Fighters can e either show up to the gym motivated to train and practice and get better, or they can mi miss practice altogether all because they're, they don't have the support at home. They don't have a woman who believes in them that pushes them to greatness and says, you know what, babe, I got the kids. I'll take care of it. You do what you're doing because this is for the family. This is for the end result. And uh, a lot of people, and it goes man or woman, don't have that vision, unfortunately. And we've seen a lot of great fighters drop out of the game completely because they didn't have that support. Yeah, it's a very important part of the game that no one really you know, talks about or discusses. Definitely, 100%, brother. So I think just to, to kick it off, I want to, you know, everyone always talks about kind of your in-cage in exploits and, and, you know, all you do for, for the sports from an announcing perspective. But I wanted to go a little bit deeper and, and, and go behind, you know, the man behind the voice and just kind of see where it all started. So give us just a, a brief overview of what Los was like as a school student, kind of, you know, what were you like as an academic? What sports did you play? All of those kind of things. Well, uh, my dad and mom had always said, if you get B's or above, that's a 3.0 average, and you play a sport, you're good to go. You can pretty much ride your own ticket. Uh, you, you know, we're not going to ride you too much. Um, so that's what I always base myself on. As a student, I was a, a B student and above uh, just, be, just to do that and, and 
basic, you know, keep propelling myself in the future. No real, I knew I had to do college to, you know, get on with life and, and be successful, but sports were my big thing. Uh, played football, played basketball. Um, I, um, I was recruited to play both at uh, UC Davis. So, and I wound up choosing football as my, as my career. I thought I had a better path uh, to, to the pros uh, through that, obviously. But um, I was heavily involved with sports. I was kind of a wild man in a way that, um, you know, I wasn't, uh, I was never looking for a fight, but I was uh, all about respect as I am today, but I've, I've mellowed out quite a bit. Um, I've always been an entertainer. Um, always like to get in front of large groups of people, uh, be it a play or uh, any type of performance or singing, things like that. Um, I had a great, uh, I had a great uh, time doing what I was doing. I didn't really have um, that real role model to emulate my life after as far as getting to the next level uh, because I was kind of um, uh, strong in my beliefs to stand up for my friends and myself. Uh, I had quite a few, uh, quite a few uh, happenings of, of fights growing up in my life. Um, arrested six times by the time I was 20 years old due to the fact that I fought so much. Um, and I was always defending some one or honor right and you could go on all day about that so um you know you learn as you get older that you you've got to keep things in check and worry about your family and your future and things like that but that's a little known fact that people don't know about me that i was arrested so many times for fighting never convicted <laughs> may i add because it was called mutual combat but you know um and you can imagine how many fights you have to be in to be arrested times by the time you're 20. So I really found and saw the light after that and said, you know what, I can either go down the right path in life and, or the wrong path. I call on my own. And um, I, I chose the right path. I had some marine uh guys that are really looked up to and i decided after uc davis where i played football uh, my career was cut short by a teammate taking me out from behind in practice um and our uh, our quarterback was chris peterson who was head coach of boise state and head coach of washington and he had a jersey on a red jersey that you can't touch the quarterback well in practice right you definitely can't tackle him and you're only supposed to touch him. And anyway, in practice, I was going for him. I got past my yo tackle. And uh, just as I was heading to the quarterback to, to touch and run by, this guy took out my, my knee from behind. Uh, I've had 11 knee surgeries since um, and had screws, plates, staples. And that career was over. And that was everything that I was shooting for at that time. So I had to get a new focus. And that was the United States Marine Corps. I became a captain in the Corps, and um, I was known as the master motivator, Jay, because of some unique methods that I had to motivate our young Marines, shall we say. And um, it, it, that was a great run. Uh, was awarded two Navy Achievement Medals for Honor and Valor while in the Marines, but decided, you know what, 
my personality was such that I needed to move on and go to my next gen, uh, you know, my next chapter in life. And, and you, you were included in some, some material for the Marines as well at that time, I believe. Uh, yes, as well as uh, you're talking about like filming, yeah. things of that nature. Yeah, I, um, I was Gunnery Sergeant Tough Smith for the Marine Corps. I was a pop-up on their training videos <laughs> as they were doing <laughs> training uh like scholastic uh furthering continuing education and stuff and i would pop up on their screen going hey fool you're not listening you better listen to tough smith's coming to get you you know stuff like that and it was fun um that carried on into a show that we filmed the pilot for now it's called the drill sergeant and that is where i go into failing homes, uh, relationships, sports teams, you name it. Anybody having a bad day or not getting along and, and it's severely affecting them, <clears throat> I come in and I save the day with Marine Corps style tough love. I like so that, that was, yeah, I've never talked to you about that. That came about from, I was filmed doing American Choppers and you it might be, Mikey's uh, trainer. Yes, yes, Mikey's trainer, exactly. He had ballooned to like 380 pounds and, uh, and needed somebody to motivate him and, and get him into shape. And uh, they called me and said, you know, hey, come to New York. It's for American Choppers. We'd like you to motivate Mikey. So I was like, done, done and done. <laughs> And I'm like, you really don't mind if I get in his face, right? <laughs> They're like, no, he's he's fine. We don't mind all that. So, uh, on started the uh, the the, uh, the war battle from there. It, it, he he was very nice. Mikey was very sweet, uh, good guy. He's he's uh, got some demons in his life, uh, you know, dealing with his dad and some other things. But he's a he's a real good guy who wants to find the right way in the right path in life, just so like so many of us, you know? Um, I've been fortunate to find something that I love, like announcing, um, which is my passion. And I never did it for anything other than giving the fighters their due and giving the fighters the best introduction they've ever had in their life, period. And then things came from that. So to everyone, you know, the people out there, follow your passion. It doesn't matter if it's making money or not right now, but if you see a potential in it, follow your passion. And I, I wanted to, to get the story from you. Where did the interest in combat sports come from? Because you've spoken about football, you've spoken about basketball, you've spoken about the Marine Corps. Where did the link to fighters and combat sports actually start for you? My dad was a Golden Gloves boxer in Chicago having fought George Steinbrenner and uh, guys like that back in the day. Um, and he, he being so involved in boxing, I took up boxing. Um, little known fact, I was the great white hope of San Diego as a boxer. And um, I just, <laughs> they, they did uh, newscasts on me and things of that nature because I was white, a heavyweight and uh, <laughs> ready to go for it. Basically, you know, we had a we had a great time. I was very very involved with that while I was in the Marine 
Marine Corps and right after. Um, but because I didn't have that man in my life to, to mentor me that could really, you know, that I could even talk to, um, I gave up boxing and, uh, I had my career, you know, in insurance that I was doing and other acting and hosting, uh, things in Hollywood. But, you know, that's some, something as well that I wish I would have continued. Um, so that trans, uh, uh, progressed into jujitsu because I'd never known the ground. And I, I always wrestled with buddies and things like that and did, did pretty well. But I always knew that if a fight went to the ground, the superior ground guy, of course, would take it. And I was fascinated by jujitsu. I, I loved every, every move and every, every uh, transgression and every position in how you could just, you know, go from getting defeated into being on top and win the battle. So I went into jujitsu, which I'm still practicing today. I'm a purple belt in jujitsu. Um, and that has helped me. I've meddled in, in the world games, uh, no gi and the Pan Am games uh, with gi. And uh, I, my wife would kill me if she heard me say this, but there is hope that I'm going to be back uh, on the mat and going for a gold medal which I had promised my dad before he died, that dad, I'm gonna get you a gold medal one day. And um, despite my 22 surgeries and recent Widowmaker heart attack, uh, Tekka is shaking her head. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, but I, I will be back one day. Well, that, that's all. It, it's, it's good to hear that you still have the, the, the dream inside and you still wanna chase it. So that's, that's important to have a goal at least still. So, so I've got a question. That, so we all know you as the Roaring Lion. We all know the voice. We've all heard it before. What, what, what was the voice before it broke? Did you have one of those proper high-pitched voices and then overnight became Barry White? Or how did that happen? I've always had it. Uh, always had it. it. It just something, you know, um, I, did, I, I had it, but I didn't know I had it. You know what I mean? It was kind of like, it, it was always there. I could always do what I needed to do. And it never tired. Um, people come up to me during events and go, or, or, or come up to tech and go, man, he's going to lose his voice if he doesn't calm down. And, you know, if he doesn't take it easy. And it's always like, I, I actually have a voice that it'll look and sound like I'm losing it at one point, but it always comes back stronger. And I and I've always comes back stronger. 15 and I've said you're going to lose your voice and the next day after we've done the event and the after party it's still there so I can attest to the fact <laughs> that it doesn't go away it, it's like yeah it never goes away right it's like uh, Jason and Halloween he's back <laughs> it's there yeah um it's Jason day always yeah exactly but you know what brother um there there's so many uh announcers out there that are so great you know in the world today and for me to be chosen you know by fightbook mma i wanted to give them a uh, a shout out because it means so much to me because of all these years that i've only thought about the fighters the fans and the promotion i can't tell you just like you jay we're the same way we don't we never want any accolades i don't care if people you know are recognizing, you know, what we do, as long as they respect what we do and know we're, we're adding to the show. But 
to get the, the support really means the world to me. And it, it takes me from, you know, doing countless nights for free, losing money on events because I would bring a guy to film it. I would bring in uh, my own editor in as well and produce videos of content. And I'm talking years and years ago. Um, it, it means the world to me. And Fight Book MMA being the leader uh, of combat sports journalism, Roberto Villa over there, uh, it's, he, he's done an amazing job. And to be recognized really means the world to me. It's uh, very, very humbling, but at the same time motivating to just keep that spark going harder and higher every year. So going going to to what you're talking about now, the, the commentary stint. So so give me the kind of the story of the birth of the lion. Where did the name come from? What was the first event that you commentated on, and how did that progress to the point of where you are now with Brave? I first started commentating um, back at UC Davis when I went to college there. I was putting out. Um, what you'd call now reality show videos when I was in high school. I would film uh, guys, uh, a buddy would come in and would film me going into say a Denny's and having the waitress describe her pie selection from the top <laughs> shelf to the bottom. So I had, I had like a, a thing where I always loved interviewing them, you know, and putting things on tape. I remember going into a bakery um and it was like i was with my buddies and they were open it was like four in the morning and we were still going from the night before they had just woken up and opened the bakery and they uh, my buddies had a boom box and turned on uh a bye bye american pie and i sang the entire song on uh you know lipping it the entire song with these guys right there going like going what in the world is going on I have to find that video for you. It's pretty darn funny. Um, just things like that. So that, that kind of trans uh, progressed into um, announcing. I started in Ventura. Um, my first big interview was uh, Roy Big Country Nelson. As I was a uh, commentator for the Ventura fights out there. Um, Alex Viejo was, was the man in charge. And we're talking now about you know, 18 years ago or so. Um, and then we went on from there and did different martial arts events. Um, I've got uh, to know Jason Stewart at the time who ran Epic Fighting in San Diego and started commentating for Epic. And then his announcer moved on to another, uh, uh, another uh, opportunity he had. And um, Jason was like, Los, you know, let's do this. And I, I was like, let's do this. So that was really my first introduction into announcing. And um, I've always been, been into drama, uh, acting. I know about the entertainment industry and what the fans need, what the fighters need and how to create an event and an atmosphere of uh, controlled lunacy and mayhem. <laughs> and, and just, went from there and it just started uh, evolving from that point on and then i was doing different organizations always announcing for them um when i had on my podcast 
Manolo Hernandez and Alex Soto. And my wife, Tekka Thompson, is my co-host. And after we had wrapped up the for that day and the show, uh, Tekka asked the guys, she's like, who do you have for Brave? You know, because we had introduced, uh, interviewed them with the first Brave coming up soon. Yeah. And um, they, they responded, we, you know, we, we have somebody, he's an Elvis impersonator. Um, <laughs> and, my, and Tekka's like, whoa, 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 what? And, and they're like, yeah, there's an Elvis impersonator. We're not really sure, um, you know, what's, what he's doing or, or whatever. And Tekka literally is like, you need to put Los in there. You need to look at his stuff uh, and uh, it'll be the best move you've ever made. And basically, if it weren't for Tekka, Alex Soto and Manolo, but Tekka alone for bringing it up and to, to asking, I wouldn't be where I would be in Brave because they put it along the lines, uh, you know, to, to Muhammad Shaheed and the rest and, and agreed. And like within a week, uh, they had said, hey, we need you to come to Bahrain to do the first Brave. And then the rest is history from there. So that's how I got to there. And I didn't have the nickname of the Roaring Lion until it was given to me by uh, the people in the region who were like, man, this is the voice that has been missing and it sounds like a lion, you know? So that took off on its own, not self-proclaimed, not, you know, uh, nicknamed uh, by myself or even, even good friends that have known me. Um, it just, you know, happened at that time. And then man, has it stuck. Um, to the point where I, I'm not even called my name. People don't, don't even really remember my name unless hey, that's the roaring lion, you know, that's the lion. So it's, it's been an incredible journey. And may I take Jay the time to say thank you to His Royal Highness Sheikh Khalid bin Ahmad Al Khalifa for changing not only my life, but so many countless thousands of other life, lives in the world. Um, I just can't say enough for a man who not only thinks about what can be done, but literally puts that plan of action into effect and does it. He's made the Kingdom of Bahrain the epicenter for mixed martial arts worldwide, for combat sports worldwide. The Kingdom of Bahrain is now the hub. It's now the, the channel going through for all of MMA to follow. And he has done that personally. And it's unbelievable what His Highness, with the help of the Hawk Muhammad Shaheed, has done, not only for Brave Nation and changing the landscape of MMA worldwide, but for sports in general. Um, it's turned from an event, it's made into a promotion, into a, it, it's just, it's a national pastime. It's a family. It's something that we couldn't even think about years ago and wasn't even done in sports. They're, when I say they're changing the landscape, as you know, they are changing everything that we had ever thought about mixed martial arts, about even having a concert in another city, because they take that relationship, new relationship with that new country that we're working with, and they become family. We become a brotherhood to them that's going to increase 
and expand their economy, that's going to do right by them for their community, that's going to make everyone in that country prosper by having Brave Combat Federation there. Yeah, huge shout out to everyone that, that's gotten us to the point where we are now. And also it's going to take us into, into the future. We're in trying times at the moment, but uh, I'm pretty sure that once everything clears up and we can get uh, some normalcy back in life, everything will, will, will pick up and, and return to, to the way it was. And, and you know, hopefully we'll, we'll become bigger and better from there on. You know what, exactly. And with, with our brave team that we have, the best team in sports, everybody working together, guys like you, um, you know, Phil, Kirik, uh, Noel, the list goes on and on with, you know, Mo and Steve-O and uh, Faith and Valeria. I could just keep going on and on about the support, um, you know, that we have uh, all around the country and, you know, all around the world. People think that Brave is, a, you know, 500 employee plus company. And, but the work that each of us does is incredible with an amazing outreach to making truly a difference and building our athletes and branding them like no other promotion in the world. That's it. And, and I'm going to go back to, to kind of the, the, the commentary side of, of uh, the line himself. There's another personality that we all enjoy and, and, look forward to seeing whenever you come to the show. And I want you to tell the story of where it, where the idea came from, who's responsible for it and how it gets updated every show. And that is Kramer's jackets. <laughs> the jackets. Um, those jackets are handpicked by uh, Tekka, my beautiful wife. And every show, she just keeps going better and better and better. Um, it started uh, with her finding, and I'm kind of a hard size to find, so let's not say kind of, I, I really am. I can range in from extra large to 5X or even 6X in some European cuts. Um, so she has been the one that has found the jackets, the pocket squares, the whole thing, and sets the Roaring Lion up uh, for that. So I've got to give her the props, and uh, she just keeps going. So. I can't wait to see what's next. I'm, I'm like in uh, as much anticipation as anyone else. But yeah, all props to her for that. And obviously a very important part of, of kind of your, your life and, and everything that you are is your family and your wife. So tell us, tell us the story of how you met Tekka, how that evolved to the, to the point where, you know, you guys then got married and, and, and had your kids as well. That's great. Um, we... We met, literally never, never really happens, but I, I went and sought her out in Facebook because a buddy of mine had a picture with her. And I went to high school with this guy and I hadn't talked to him in like 30 years plus, right? But he was in a picture with Tekka and I was like, hey bro, how are you? It's been forever, how you doing? And I was like, what, uh, you know, how you doing this and that? And I said, who is that gal in that picture with you? Um, and he was like, oh, you know, that's Tekka Thompson, blah, blah, blah. And then it started literally from there that they were at a B-52s concert. She's best friends with Fred Schneider as a lead singer of B-52s. And that's where I started just communicating with her. And um, I never used 
Facebook or any social media to ever meet anybody, but she came out at me like no one else ever had in my life. And so I messaged her. Um, I said, Hey, I'll drive up to LA. She was on CS time Miami for three years, uh, uh, an actress and also model and things like that. And, um, she goes, you don't have to drive to LA. She goes, I lived in, I live in San Diego. So I was like, Oh my God, this is such a, uh, such a blessing for the roaring lion. <laughs> so we went out on a date literally from our first date. Insidious. <laughs> What's that? I'm sorry. Huge shout out to your mate who you hadn't seen in 30 years. <laughs> exactly. 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 So, uh, yeah, that it was just a, it was just a great thing, you know, from the time of our first date till now, we spend every, every second we can together and have been just amazing. You know, it's just been uh, a perfect, perfect ride for me. I had been a little older in my life to have kids and, and, and settle down, but I feel like I had had enough experiences, um, you know, to say, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready for this lifelong commitment for my, with my soulmate and uh, realize that, you know, like many men, around the world i'm a much better man when i'm with an incredible woman as you can attest to i'm sure yeah and how, how long did you guys date before uh, before the proposal and, and and the wedding uh just a couple of years and uh i knew i knew that that was that was my girl for life so just made that uh commitment and decision and have never looked back so it's been a it's been a great ride. We're looking we're looking forward to, um, you know, doing some more things. We've been asked to do some shows together, um, like a dating show with her and I and a relationship. So we're we're entertaining that right now. Uh, she was asked how she uh, she tamed the lion when she came aboard and <laughs> and by friends like on a post on Facebook and she answered. Uh, she goes, "You can't uh, tame the lion. You can only." learn to live in the jungle <laughs> so that, that, i was like okay properly good analogy well done <laughs> <laughs> right i mean i was like keeper that's done check check and check so um no it's been great and we have two beautiful kids london and crimson um crimson is uh you know just the light of our life just a beautiful little girl and we're so happy with uh, London's playing baseball. And uh, I work with him on jujitsu and wrestle literally every day. We have Matt set out um, right now as well. And London works with uh, his uncles, uh, J Jeff Glover, uh, Gorilla Hands, uh, Joel Tudor, Dean Lister. London's been able to, Eduardo Tellis, you know, L uh, Carlos Valente. London's been able to kind of get the rewards of what I found later in life, which is jujitsu and the beauty and, and uh, just incredible, just joy of practicing that art um, with some real, real legends. And that is, you know, what I am so happy to share with him. He's really a beast. He's nine years old, five foot three, 145 pounds. So I know you have big, you have big kids too, monsters. Yeah, that is that is a big kid. <laughs> and so, so yeah, so yeah. 
Tell, tell us what, what that was like, you know, the, the journey into fatherhood, obviously coming from all these different things that you'd experienced and seen and been on TV and, you know, announcing and then, you know, being told you, you know, you're going to be a father and what that first kind of adaptation and change was like for you when, when you know, when your son was born. I know the, the, my first son being born was a massive, massive impact on me. What was that like for you? Man, it was incredible. It was, uh, you know, something that I would never think that I could feel those kind of emotions because I had never had that kind of deep love before in where someone was fully responsible, that I was responsible for them, for their welfare, their life, their, their future. Um, everything they did hinged on myself and my wife. And it was like, man, I never felt more proud, more elated, and just more exposed and vulnerable as a great father and human being to say man this this is it no other accolade or award or or, or trophy or anything i've accomplished meant anything to me other than being a father and then the fact that these kids um you know look up to me and think of me kind of as a you know someone they'd like to emulate um later in their life it, it brings tears to my eyes right now so yes that's uh that's how I felt, and I continue to beam every day. Uh, Crimson's saying "Daddy." I don't know if you saw that on Instagram. Yeah. But uh, she's saying "Daddy," and I'm like, "Okay, I'm officially own, owned by you, wrapped around your finger. Just have mercy on me, <laughs> right? Because I melt, I melt, uh, you know, whenever I'm around my my kids, but especially my daughter, right? It's like, wait a minute, this is insane but uh so so great I've, i'm loving every minute of it and then for, for those that don't know you did touch on it very briefly you know we've spoken about it quite quite in depth and and you know the, the challenges that your daughter has and how you guys deal with that just you know for for those that might be going through similar situations or having similar experiences just tell us a bit of the story of, of your daughter and, and yourself and your wife and, and how you guys deal with it yeah, it's been, um, you know, an incredible challenge. Uh, and anyone who says differently is not telling the truth because it changes everything when you find out that your child has a challenge that you're going to have to work with, not only for them uh, and, and not only for the next week or month or year, but this is going to be for the rest of your life and and their life. So it really, when we found out that she was blind, um, of course we were, we were heartbroken and devastated. And it's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, tearing nights. And, you know, I don't, I, I always try to stay for my family as strong as humanly possible. The mother takes it incredibly hard. Um, but for me, you know, some nights when I would be, uh, you know, uh, home alone at night, just in a different room or whatever, I would break down and I would cry, you know? Um, and you decide right away when it comes that, hey, we're blessed to have her in our life. We're gonna give her the best life possible. There is no room for any type of, uh, you know, sadness or being mopey or down. We have to give the best life possible to her and face the challenges, um, you know, as they come. and. We were doing amazing taking care of her in that regard uh, and dealing with all that we had. 
and then we just found out a couple of weeks ago that she's been diagnosed as severely autistic on top of being totally blind. So uh, that was another incredibly tough pill to swallow. Um, I, words can't even, you know, uh, describe, you know, the feelings from a parent who love their child so much and want the best for them. Um, you know, how that feels to, to them and how they cope with it. And again, you come back and you say, hey, you know, we're blessed to have her in our life. Um, we're going to take this head on, give her all the support that we can. And she is the happiest little girl at the end of the day. And um, man, I'm just so happy to be uh, able to try to do and provide the life that I'm going to for her. And uh, we move on from there. That's, that's, all, that's all you can do. Just positive, happy. Um, I was known in the Marine Corps as the master motivator. I can't ask others to do things that I can't do myself. So, you know, they say that, uh, you know, God only puts into the hands things that in uh, challenges to people that can handle it. So I can handle it. And uh, I'm going to make sure uh, that we handle it. My wife is, is a trooper, uh, a warrior going through. And uh, we can hug each other once in a while and have a, have a little cry together. But other than that, we are strong and united and uh, going to make the most of it. And she's going to be just a phenomenal little girl like she is today. Yeah, and we're, we're all in support and we all send, uh, send our love to all of you as well. And, and you know, again, you know, speaking about these things is very important for other people that could be going through the same thing. It, it definitely uh, sends a very good message to, 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 to other people that are, that are possibly struggling with the, with, with the same issues. You know what, 100%, uh, we're all going through struggles in life. We're all, we all have challenges, be it at home, at work, um, you know, with whatever we're facing, family, we all have those challenges and struggles. And if we just realize that there is a support network out there, it's much, much better when you can talk and when you have friends, um, you know, Jay, like yourself and Phil, and Carrick and the guys that I can talk to. I've never really had that in life. But when things get so big, you can't keep huge things to yourself because you have to be able to release that. You have to be able to talk to that. And for that, I am so grateful for you guys and the rest of our family at Brave um, that are, have been so understanding and supportive. But at the same time, I'm here for everybody as well um, because we all have different challenges, man. Our life is a different journey that uh, has so many different paths. And the key is to just keep positive, have a smile on your face, and stay motivated, and good things will happen. Well, thank you, Los. I appreciate the time. It's definitely some, uh, some very good insights there. I'm sure people will really enjoy listening to you know the, the story behind the story of the man that we all get to hear every time we, we tune into Brave Events. Thank you, brother. It's uh, been an honor being on your show with you. Um, keep killing it. You and Phil are doing an amazing job with the Brave Insider podcast. Um, I love the awards that we gave this year. And let me, Jay, give a shout out to our fighters. We have guys that we're so blessed to have in Brave Combat Federation that every time they strap it up, 
and go into that cage, there is guaranteed fireworks. Guys like Muhammad Fakhreddin and Hamza Chiamat and Jarrah Al-Sawawi and every one of these guys that just bring it like no one before. Um, it's really a testament to how hard they will fight for their honor, for their country, for their family, and of course for His Royal Highness, um, Eldar Eldorov, um, guys like that just that bring the absolute heat. Um, Daniel Gaucho, uh, bone, you know, from South Africa, um, Pitbull, Jeremy Pitbull Smith. We have so many guys on our roster that could fill and any arena and any roster in the world today. And we're truly blessed to have them because that's what Brave Combat Federation is all about. That's the heart and the and the pride that they show in Dual Kareem out there. Luana Pinheiro. Um, we have amazing athletes, both both men and women now, that the world is going to watch and continue to watch on their rise to absolute stardom, and they deserve every single bit of it. And then just just talking about the fighters and, and, and announcing in the Brave Cage, I'm going to pop you three questions just to get to your initial response on them and the first thing that pops into your mind. And that is... What was the favorite fight that you've announced? Something that pops out at you, one of the fights that was just one of your favorite ones that you were in there for the energy, the names, all of it. You know, <clears throat> there's been so many battles from Brave 1 all the way till now. Um, the favorite fight that I've probably announced, I mean, we, we've had so many incredible wars, but Snakebone is Pitbull Smith in South Africa that you put on was uh, these two guys went at it like uh, ever it was incredible battle and with so much will and so much pride talent and heart that you literally were 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 consumed by emotion watching these And after Pitbull and um, the, the Pitbull fight with, with uh, Snakebone, that was just insanity. And then I wanted to say any fight that Mohammed Fakhreddin has and steps in, that is going to be an absolute war. Uh, I want to be there. I want to, whether I have to pay and be in a seat or I'm going to be announcing his name, I need to be there. Uh, Fakhreddin is an absolute animal uh, a beast and brings it every time Tom that's another guy that is just an absolute um action to it in sweden against Jorah salawi of jordan those are two guys that are just wrecking machines they are bulldozers on a path of knocking everyone out everyone over Killer instinct, incredible technique, uh, incredible will and desire, 
and when these two meet forces, it's going to be the, I believe, not only of the of the century, but but of the entire sport. Um, that's how big I feel that that fight would be. And uh, we're going to have a lot, a lot of people looking at that. Um, I'm really excited whenever I can uh, call and announce Luana Pinheiro. Um, but women in general, all over the world. She's uh, a hero to women all over the world and someone that we're blessed in Rave Combat Federation to have. Um, <clears throat> Eldar Eldaroff, same way. The list can go on and on. He's done such an amazing job at KHK MMA under his highness as their head trainer. The Kingdom of Bahrain, now two years, the IMF's gold champions for the number one country in the world for two years in a row over the monsters like Russia, in the United States and China, and we could go on and on, but the Kingdom of Bahrain and this vision that Muhammad Shaheed had with the Prince only about four or five years ago now has just grown into such proportionary magnetic, huge uh, colossus levels that I'm not even sure that they thought they could achieve that much in that short a time, but they have. And it just goes to show you whatever they put their mind to has accomplished not only that, but times 100 on the vision. So with uh, KHK Sports now getting into e-gaming, e um, that's a huge, huge move because that is a uh, just a, an enormous industry. A lot uh, that the Kingdom of Bahrain and KHK involved in changing again land. To, to kind of kick it off and uh, with uh, the Bahrain Comic Con and make it fun, entertaining, get people, uh, you know, involved with huge cash prizes and huge rewards. So what we're doing, same, we, we didn't even talk about the title belt, um, you know, for the KHK World Champion. 6.2 kilograms of solid gold in this belt, the most expensive, exclusive, prestigious, championship belt in the world that's 14 pounds of gold wrapped around our champion's waist and that is something that's never been done again before but has been done by brave combat federation and man i'm just so proud and happy to be a part of that in its journey uh and all the other good things that we're doing with you know um police officers and soldiers that have uh had limbs shot off duty um, that have, you know, become disabled in the line of duty, like we did in Colombia, helping these men and women out. We always have a mission in every country we go to, and that is to help them out, not only with their economy, but also be that incredible arm uh, to, and, and shoulder to lean on, to say, hey, we're here, we're all in this together. We want to help only not, but we want to help your fallen, your uh, injured policemen and women on the line of duty, um, your uh, uh, homeless, your orphans, you name it. And that is something proud to be a part of.
100%. And let's hope we can get uh, back on the road and back to eventing soon and that uh, everything in the world will return back to the way, you know, the way it was or hopefully better. But uh, until then, you know, keep uh, yourself and the family safe. Keep yourselves uh, in isolation, as they say, and, and enjoy the family time. Thank you, my brother. Jamie Money, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure to connect with you. I'm here for you whenever you want to slice it up again. And Brave Nation, I love you guys. Thank you to His Highness for making this all possible. And Mahana Shaheed, uh, brother, it's been, again, an absolute honor to be on the show. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. All right, my man. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. And I just want to be brave. And I just want to be Talk to me wrong, you might catch a right hook. And I just, I just, I just, I just, I just wanna be brave. I just, I just, I just, I just, I just wanna be brave. And I just, I just, I just, I just, I just wanna talk to me wrong. This right hook is for the book.